0: I got some brand new glasses uh, yesterday. And uh, I'm glad because now I can see all these pretty smiling faces from the front instead of the bag. Okay, enough of that. Tonight, I want to speak to you on four ways the devil works in religion. And I. I was just counting the names of the devil. Why? I I don't know. But I'd read them in the Old Testament and it didn't do anything for me. But as I read them in the New Testament, so Paul said that. Paul said that. Paul said that. that. So I I decided to do it. And uh, I did it about 10 years ago at a different church. And there was this dear lady in there I never saw before or since. As I began the lesson, she started looking at me like, I said, uh-oh. And as I went along, she broke into a grin and then a smile. And uh, before I finished, she was really with a great big smile. And then she, as soon as the lesson over, she jumped up and went out the door. In about three minutes, she come back with a young lady, and she's him, him pointing at me, and I don't to this day know what was going on. So if you decide you want to run out laughing, come back a little bit later and let me know, will you? Okay. Uh, I want to talk to you just a, a wee bit, and then I want you to turn, if you don't mind, over to the fourth chapter of Hebrews. Now, as I said, we're going to be looking at four ways the devil works in religion. And the reason I want to look at this uh, two places here in the book of Hebrews is because people don't seem to fully grasp sometimes the nature of the Lord Jesus. He was 100% God and 100% man. And to say he could sin if he wanted to because he's God has missed the point. And I'm going to tell you right now, dogmatically and emphatically, without apology, he could not sin. Could not. All right. Now, somebody says, was it a legitimate test that he went through? Yeah, a thousand percent. Now, look with me at Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Verse fourteen and fifteen and we're talking about Christ here and he says, "Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed unto the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Now the three avenues that he was able to get, Adam and Eve, he tried on the Lord Jesus. And now don't misunderstand me, I'm not saying that he tempted Jesus to do wicked things like fallen man do, but it was three avenues, and each and every time he tried to get Jesus act independent of God the Father. And that was his desire through the testing, and we'll see that in a bit. Now, did Jesus ever sin? No. Look at uh, Hebrews 7 and verse 26. Ouch. For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Now, if you would, turn to the fourth chapter of Matthew. I can't remember. My memory is good, but my forgetter went bad. So I can't remember if it was last Sunday, the pastor was talking in Sunday school, or during his message, or even at night. But he pointed out... And Matthew, where Lord Jesus was baptized, and then the the dove, and then the Father spoke as says my beloved son in uh matthew three seventeen when John the Baptist was pointed out in the fortieth chapter of the book of Isaiah to be a forerunner for the Lord Jesus, and when Jesus <clears throat> Was ready to begin his ministry. It was immediately after he was baptized that the Spirit of God caught him up and took him out to the wilderness. And then, you know, as well as I do, that's when the trouble started for the Lord. And uh, I think it's more than three temptations, and I think it was every, probably every minute of every day was there. But, uh, Let me just read verse 5 and 6 here, and then I'll tell you what I'm doing. Chapter 4, Matthew. Then the devil, taking him up into the holy city, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, least at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Now I know all you Bible students know exactly what happened here, but since I'm attempting to teach and not preaching, I'm going to ask anybody want to volunteer tell me what's going on there. Pardon me. Uh, yeah, the the devil quoted scripture, but I. I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. In the fourth chapter of Matthew, we begin to see the devil as the prince of God of this age. And hearing this, he perverted the scripture. Now, what he did, actually, was he was quoting from the 91st Psalm, verse 11 and 12, but he didn't quote it accurately. So let's, let's turn over to Psalm 91. I'm amazed at how fast I can find verses in the home when there's nobody listening but my son. <laughs> but when I get up here, I lose him. Yeah, here we go. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, and here's the part he left out now, to keep thee in all thy ways. He says, <clears throat> They shall bear thee up in their hands, least thou dash thy foot against a stone. Now, Satan, as the prince of God of this age, wanted to get Jesus to fail. But as I said a few minutes ago, it wasn't the same temptation that he did for Adam and Eve, even though it was the same avenue. And it wasn't one that me or Brother Clayton or uh, Brother uh, Flint there. he wanted Jesus to act independent of God the Father and if you look through the fourth chapter of Matthew the whole thing you'll see that it's accurate and that was his strategy was to get Jesus to act independent of God the Father but he didn't and the Lord Jesus made a way for each and every one of us to use intelligent scripture and defeat him if the occasion arises but we need a a little work of knowledge of the Scripture, and I'm not about to stand here and tell you I have it, because I don't. But in Deuteronomy, the 6th chapter, verse 16, the is the verse that Jesus used. And it says, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God as thou did in Massa. And so, <clears throat> for all three temptations, Jesus answered, Satan from the book of Deuteronomy and I don't know how accurate it is but I think it's a real reliable source. I understand that one of the first attacks that's ever made on the Bible in the last 125 years was to say that uh Deuteronomy is not part of God's word. Which sounds about right. Since the Lord answered him from all three of them. Now If you read Matthew 4, 7, which I'm not going to do, you'll see that Jesus is answering him from Deuteronomy 6, 16. And then the second thing Satan does as a prince and god of this age is he opposes God's work. And so to see that, I'm going to turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and read verse 18. And you turn to Acts the 17th chapter with me while I'm turning over to 1 Thessalonians. Paul said, Wherefore we would have come unto you, even I Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Now is when we need to go to Acts the seventeenth chapter because we don't see what was going on there in First Thessalonians. Remember, Paul and and Silas had been beaten and thrown in prison at Caesarea Philippi, and they left there, and they went over to. I'm going to try to say this word one time and one time only, Thessalonica. So I'm going to go through verse two through thirteen, and I'm going to break break it up a little bit. And now I'm going to go through two through four, and Paul. As his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. And some of them believed, and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. You know, Paul's background as a Jew, a Pharisee. He was well versed in Levitical law. Plus, the Lord Jesus had given him the gospel of grace. So he would go into the synagogues and begin to preach Jesus. And what he would do is he would take the Old Testament Scripture and show those people that Christ, the Jewish Messiah, must die for the sin of the world and be raised. And then he would return and set up the kingdom someday. So he would would preach that to them. And the gospel of grace... It's been working for a little over 2,000 years now, and it'll continue to work. till The Lord uh, don't need it any longer. But <clears throat> have you ever noticed that you can talk to somebody about salvation, and this could be any, anybody, it doesn't matter about a denomination, but when you hit the right chord, they're not going to put up with it absolutely will not put up with it. And these people that believed had knowledge of the Old Testament. And Paul was just pointing out in Scripture. But now, we pick up uh, verse 5 through 9 here, and it's a little different story. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they had found them, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, "These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also, whom Jason had received. And these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city. And when they heard these things, and when they had taken the security of Jason and other, they let them go. And you see, Paul went and he preached the truth. People got saved. But Satan attacked Paul through these non-believing Jewish people, and they even hired uh, men to come against Paul and Silas. But as I was studying this, I come to verse 6, and I just couldn't help to smile. I understand from good preachers and teachers that the more they persecuted the early church, the more the gospel spread and the more people turned to the Lord Jesus there for a long time. Now, I wonder if you notice the last part of verse 6 there. These that have turned the world upside down. Well, how do they turned the world upside down? <laughs> turned the world upside down because they preached the gospel. And... I was looking at that, and I said, wouldn't it be wonderful if people in the Royal Oak area could point any one of us out and say, look, that person goes to that church over there by the Dairy Queen, and they're trying to turn Royal Oak upside down. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, I'd love it. I really would. I don't mean it in a proud way, but but I would like to be known as one of the members and necessarily uh, ambassador, it could be any church I was part of. I'd like to be known as one of the people that turned the world upside down for Jesus. Now, verse uh, ten through twelve. And the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. He went right back, to a different city but right back in the synagogue. And uh, <clears throat> these were more noble than those in there. That word I said I would not go do again, but I had, Lord forgive me, i got to do it again. That's And all that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Now, those things were so, they just wanted to make sure that Paul and Silas was teaching from the Scripture. Okay, Paul, you and Silas, uh, you want to teach us? Fine. But we want you to know we have the Word here also, and if we catch you doing something that uh, is wrong, you're saying something that's not right, we're going to see that you leave a lot faster than the brothers did over in another town. And that's the way it ought to be. Now, it says, after Paul and Silas, priests in Berea, they studied the Scriptures for themselves, but looked at the results. Verse 12. Therefore, many of them believed also the honorable women, which were Greeks, and uh, men, not a few. Now I don't know what Doctor Luke means, by not a few. But in hillbilly, that would mean a whole lot. Now, notice how the the Prince of this age followed up with Paul and Silas in verse thirteen. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached, of Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. wasn't enough to get out of Royal Oak? Gonna chase them all the way to Hazel Park, and if you can chase them further than that, then we'll do that. Now, the third way the Prince and God of this age works as he hinders the gospel. And uh, the first reference to that is in the 13th chapter of Matthew, the mystery parables of the kingdom of heaven. In uh, verse 19, when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. Now turn over to Second Corinthians chapter 4. And I'm going to read verse, excuse me, 3 and 4. But if our gospel be hid, is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not least the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. I have talked to people recently that doesn't have a clue what it means to be born again, but they tell you, they all right. I'm just as saved as you are. I worship the same God you worship, and you don't need to tell me anything. And not sin, uh, singular, but Plural, they commit daily. Not one, but many. And, and yet, they can't understand that Christ died for them. They have to have a personal relationship with them. They're blinded as anything or anybody can be. Now, when I was going to Community Baptist several years ago, I used to pick up a man that left the racetrack right after I did he's a non-believer and I got him to go to church with me three or four times and one Wednesday night everybody in the church were saved I'm confident of it confident of it and I told him before if he comes I'm going to teach a salvation message I want to see him get saved if he will So everybody agreed. And when we left there, you know what that man said? He said, you upset them people. And I said, how's that? He said, you was making them see that they needed a Savior, and they didn't like it. And I said, is that right? Yeah, he said, that's right. And that poor man is in a nursing home in this area can't tie his shoes, don't know what his name is, half the time, and probably, it's the grace of God, don't move on quickly. He'll he'll never get saved. He's blinded to the fact that he needs saving, but his eyes are so good that he could see everybody else did need it. Now, I don't know about y'all if you ever talked to anybody like that or not, but quite often I have the misfortune to talk to people that say I'm just as good as you are and I think it's shocking. Because I tell them, you are. You're just as good as I am. They say, what do you mean? I said, well, the only difference is I've trusted Christ and you haven't. I'm nothing, but I've trusted Christ. Now, the last and... Uh, as the prince of God of this age, how he appears as an angel of light. And that's bad enough, but he gives his ministers the ability to look as if they're also angels of light. And so we need to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Now, the first time that I can find in Scripture that Satan never appeared as an angel of light is when he used the serpent in the Garden of Eden to deceive Adam and Eve. <clears throat> and Paul actually makes a reference to that, but that's not what I'm wanting to look at. I want to read verse uh, 13 through 15 to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. For such are false apostles... Deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Now, again... I know that each and every one of us have run across people that's not saved and they will argue with you till you either give up or they give up and go away out of anger. But I was going to teach uh, someplace sometime, and I don't want to say whether it's morning or or evening because you very well might know the person but I was never like to get anywhere late and uh, I got to this church early and uh, I was going over the lesson and this person come up and we struck up a conversation and they said to me who's teaching? I said I am and She's. Uh, they said, uh, "Almost give away the what subject?" And I honestly don't remember what my subject was, but I told them, and we started talking about false teachers. And this, out of the blue, I mentioned one, and this person's smile. Went from a smile to a mean look right away and said, Just what do you mean by that? He's a false teacher. And I said, Well, if you listen to this person teach, why don't you open your Bible and have a pencil and paper and listen to what he says. I know what he says. And that made me mad. I don't get mad too often, but that did make me mad. And I trying not to bite my tongue, and I didn't want to be uh, rude or crude or anything, and so I thought, well, don't get angry. You're not doing yourself no good to this person either. And I said, well, all I'm trying to say to you is that you need to study your Bible, and you will recognize that this man is a false teacher. Well, this person got extremely upset, went away, and come back, and said to me, You are absolutely wrong. He talks about Jesus all the time. He loves Jesus. You can tell that from his message. And you're wrong. All right. Now, look, if you don't mind turning again over to Acts, the ninth chapter. And if you do like I do, you will mind, don't turn But Acts chapter 9, verse 5 and 6, and this is the conversion of Saul of Tarsus, and it's important to see this. Uh, And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the bricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Now, in verse 17 of Acts chapter 9, it says Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. But Paul received the Holy Spirit in verse 5 and 6. And there's a tremendous difference in being filled for God to use you versus... Receiving the Holy Ghost when you get saved or the Holy Spirit. Now, look at uh, verse 18 of chapter 9. And Paul said, uh, Dr. Luke says, And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Now, if you haven't figured it out already, this person that I told. My friend was a, a false teacher. It was somebody that teaches water baptism, not for your salvation exclusively, but that you have to be baptized in order for it to be 100%. In other words, you can't just trust the death and resurrection of Jesus and be saved. You've got to trust the death and resurrection of Jesus, but you've got to put that little plus something on it. And so, I'd like for you to turn. Uh, well, you don't have to turn. I'll find it here. I think it's the 22nd chapter. Okay. I'm going to read from the 22nd chapter, Acts, verse 16. It says. And now, why tarest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now, <clears throat> when, when Paul was given his testimony, he repeated what happened in Acts, the ninth chapter. Now, Later, Paul wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 4. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Paul did not say, plus, you've got to wash away your sins. No. This false teacher says that you believe the Lord Jesus came to this world and died for sinners. Very true. And he was buried and he rose again. That's very true. And that you've got to accept the death and resurrection. But he don't say for salvation. He just says you've got to accept the death and resurrection. And then he drives the nail in the coffin. He says, and then you must be baptized to wash away your sin. Do you you see the evil there? My friend couldn't see it. And uh, I have different acquaintances that can't see it. But the bottom line is you can't do nothing. Help get saved, and I, I i don't know how many times I've run into this kind of situation where uh, uh, people are adding to or, or taken from, but i I know it's it, it's time for me to quit and I had a couple more things written down, but i don't want to. Uh, you know, run over a time limit. I don't know what time I had, but I forgot to ask. So I'm going to have a word of prayer and then I'm going to go up to the hospital and uh, I'm not asking you to ask the Lord to work a miracle in my heart, but uh, if I could witness my mother-in-law or rather my tongue, it would be wonderful. But I don't think I'd be able to, but it would be wonderful if I could. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for these brothers and sisters that's here. Thank you that they uh, <clears throat> would come out on this hot evening and listen to a, a layman. Thank you, Father, for the Lord Jesus. And I pray for each person here as they uh, go through the prayer requests and all the needs that church has, individuals has. Pray for our pastors. He travels to come home. and uh, I pray, Lord, that I can... Talk to my family that I can get them to trust Jesus, works apart. And I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.